Hello and welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk to Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki Russo, CEO and founder of Exaptech, a robotics company based in Melbourne. Today, I'm chatting to Rob Sutton from Murrigan, a company that specializes in helping defense and emergency services organization to successfully implement drone programs. Hi, Rob. Welcome and thanks very much for joining me today. Hey, Nikki. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So glad we've got this opportunity to talk. Yeah, and I'm really, thank you for having us on your podcast. I'm really, really excited. Um, the stuff that you do is is pretty amazing. And um, thank you for the opportunity to, to have this conversation. Oh, thanks so much. It's really nice of you. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to starting? Uh, now, we, we need to get around this pronunciation, pronunciation of the company and the name as well, how you got to it. Yep. Um, so, um, I guess to start at the beginning, so um, I, was, I was born in South Africa as well. Um, I, um, I moved to Australia when I was 10 and um, when, when I left school, um, I joined the army and part of the reason that I wanted to join the army, and it certainly wasn't the only reason, was um, I felt like I had a duty to, to give back to the country that had given me so much. Um, I ended up joining as a as an engineer um, and um, specifically ended up working on on helicopters so I was an aviation engineer um, there's a core within the army called the Royal Australian Electrical Mechanical Engineers and uh, RAMI and um, and so I was a RAMI officer and um, I spent a lot of time um, at a number of different helicopter units um, I worked on the acquisition of a number of different helicopter products um, and in 2008 2009 I was lucky enough to be posted to the 20th surveillance and target acquisition regiment um, and um, 20 STA uh, or 20 regiment as it's known now um, they they were operating um, drones and when when I got into the unit it was it was very exciting. It was a new technology. It was very different from the manned aviation world. And um, I looked around at the time and thought, you know, this is such an amazing technology and it is doing, it is doing so much, you know, what's, what's happening elsewhere. And so it, it, aside from really enjoying my time there, it also sparked that, that interest in drones. Um, then um, my wife and I had children. Uh, I left the army. I went to work for defence industry a little while for a little while, and always had this theme that I would come back to um, to drones and um, to 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 see if I could explore that idea of um, where where this technology would head. And uh, in 2017, I ended up having having the opportunity. Often, when, you, when you're trying to start your own business, you kind of need your first client, or you needed a lot of money. And uh, I, I didn't have either. Um, and I was lucky enough that I, I um, started work with back with the Australian Army, helping 20 Regiment um, with their their future drone capabilities. So going through all of the engineering, going through the process around uh, acquiring, defining, and acquiring that that new capability. And um, I got the opportunity there to work with a whole range of different um, different types of drones, from the the Black Hornet, which is as small as thirty grams, um, all the way up through to the the Shadow, which was the system that they have at the moment, um, and that's about two hundred two hundred odd kilos. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I started I started Mirigan as part of that process, and the intent with Mirigan was that it would help facilitate the transition of the technology into into Australia, and and specifically the reason that it was so important was because I could really see the value of drones in, in saving lives and keeping people safe. So um, going through the army, you form a lot of really good friendships and, and you recognize how much risk um, soldiers, sailors and airmen are putting themselves at every day when they're on operations. And if there's a technology that can, that can keep them away from that risk of harm, but still allow them to do their jobs, and in many cases allow them to do their jobs better. Then I think that that's that's a fabulous use of this technology, and that's what that's what motivates me, and that's what motivates all of us at Murrigan is using drones to keep people safe, to keeping them out of risk of unnecessary harm. And I think I think that is the power of this technology, and that's the thing that I'm most excited by. Listen, it's a great. Uh, I love it. I love your giving back to the country. Being a fellow South Africa, um, I, you know, anyone that's moved to Australia, you just go, how lucky can you be, and how fortunate that uh, you can live in this very, very privileged country. So, um, 
I'm not sure if you can allow to answer this, but how how much are the how much is defence using drones like armies across the world? What what's Australia doing in this space? Um, so Australia, in a lot of ways, is is leading the world in the use of drones. At, at one point, we had, if you counted the number of drones that are in the Australian Army, there's over a thousand, and and if you compared that to manned aviation, that would be the third or the fourth largest air force in the world. Um, so we were we were at one point leading. Um, obviously, since then, people have started to 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 pass where we're at, and. Um, because people can see the utility of it so it, it it you know it's that whole uh you know it's a tool like anything else and and um tools can be used for for good things or for for um, purposes which are less good um but globally the use of drones is increasing a lot and and if you look in in countries like um I mean, even the recent conflict between um, Azerbaijan and Armenia, um, very heavy use of drones in that and, and very clear that um, the use of drones has given um, one side a, a huge competitive edge over, over the kind of traditional um, military structures. Yeah, I read an article this week about um, tanks and like the investments of a tank. I don't know, you know, how many hundreds of thousands it costs, as opposed to like a serious drone. Say it costs a hundred thousand dollars, and you've got a couple of those, and it can take out a tank. Why would you be investing your money in that? So, um, I, I think the not that we want to focus on warfare, but the way that these things are going to go is going to. There's a whole new technology about it now. Well, the way the way I like to look at it is, you know, yes, yes, it's a technology that that anybody can use, and you know, like humans, we put we put tools to all sorts of different uses. Um, the the thing that I like to focus on, particularly for our military, is is it reduces the risk that our our um, frontline personnel have to face, and and that applies not just to the military, but also to firefighting, um, also to police, also to ambulance. You know, in, in the case of firefighting, a firefighter could climb 26 stories and go into a burning apartment, or you could send a drone, yeah. and you've got the same outcome. And but but you're not exposing that firefighter to the risk of being trapped in in the stairwell or going into that that building burning uh, building burning bu burning building, yeah. um, um, you know that that kind of piece. Or in the case of you know bushfires, um, you know huge bushfires in Australia last year. Um, you know, likely that that will continue. Obviously, as the as the climate changes and and things dry out, um, that risk is is increasing. And um, you know, we we end up in a point where how do you manage those bushfires better? And you know, one way is to use drones. Why would you put a crew of firefighters in an area where they've got no support, they've got no communications, nobody knows where they are, and then they get trapped there when the fire changes yeah. and their vehicle burns and you know why? Why put them in that position when you've got the technology that's available today that can that can help keep them safe? And and so for us, it's really about even with the military, it's about keeping soldiers safe, keeping airmen safe, keeping sailors safe, keeping firefighters safe, keeping police yeah. safe. Yeah, and not yeah. not the, the the negative sides. But I was talking to Professor Toby Walsh the other day um, on my podcast, and he, you know, he was unmanned. Um, armed drones, you know, like that. He's he signed a letter, did a petition into the United Nations in 2015. I think that letter is still available for people to sign. I mean, it's dangerous technology, but again, as you, as you and he have pointed out, it's what you're doing with the technology. So it's up to us as humans how we deploy it and, and what use it. Yeah, and we as a as a company, we're very aware of uh, who we help, and and from a values perspective we would not help organizations that we felt would be misusing this technology so we've been approached by by um you know previously by certain countries to do to help them use drones in a particular way and and we we discussed it and it was not something that you know was in line with our values that was not the way that we wanted to that was not the change that we wanted to make in the world and so we declined yeah. that opportunity Oh, that's great to hear. So, so um, what what does the company do? What does Meridian do? If like you had to describe it to someone, um, so the the short version is we're a drone consultancy and project management organisation. Um, and the broader pitch is that we help organisations that have problems that require larger drones, larger drone fleets, um, or more complex operations 
to help solve. So um, we're not necessarily helping, say, the real estate agent that goes to JB Hi-Fi and buys a drone and wants to take take photographs, uh, but we may be helping, for example, the real estate agency that manages 2,000 real estate agents um, and, and buys drones on their behalf to enable them to have that capability. So we would be helping them implement that drone program. And the approach that we take is, it's not about the drone, uh, it's about the problem or the outcome that you're trying to achieve with yeah. the drone. Um, and, and so we look at, we understand the problem first, and then we help build out all of the pieces that support that capability and make sure that it's safe and make sure that it's sustainable and fit for purpose in the long run. So, you know, much like, uh, much like a robot, you don't just buy the robot. You've also got to consider things like how do you maintain the robot? Um, where do you get the spare parts for the robot? How does the robot communicate with the people around it? What do you do with the data that the robot's generating? Um, how do you train people to use the robot? You know, what about where are you keeping it? Where are you storing it? How are you managing? Like all of those kind of questions apply to, to drones, I guess, as a robot, um, to drones as well, is there's, there's all of these enabling things that you need to consider. And what we're finding, the stage that the market is at the moment is people are very focused on the drone. And uh, often people will go out and, and you'll find an organization with some passionate individuals in there and they'll say, we're really excited to use drones. We really wanna use drones. Um, let's go and put in a, a submission and um, they get, you know, 10, 15 grand to go out and buy a drone. They buy the drone and then it doesn't do what they want it to do. And they don't have enough money to do all the training and they don't have the, the organizational structure which supports the use of drones and it's not integrated with their existing system. So they can't do anything with the data and they go, uh, drones don't work and yeah. it just they're on the shelf. And, and so two things have happened there. One is they've wasted the 15 grand um, and also, you know, wasted the enthusiasm of, of this, you know, person who wanted to make a positive change. And the second is, is that they've really missed the opportunity to use drones to make a difference in their, in their business. And, um, you know, the, the, big, the big thing that we talk about is saving lives, but from a business perspective, it could also be about um, reducing costs or increasing, increasing yield. Um, so they've missed that opportunity. They say, well, we tried drones, drone do drones don't work. You know, they make all these promises and then they don't deliver. Well, the reason that they don't deliver is because the drone that you got wasn't solving a problem. And when you bought it, you just bought the drone. You didn't consider all of the, all of the pieces around that. So as a business, that's what we help with. We help people, we help people understand what their problem is. We help people understand how they can use drones within their organization. And then we put the framework in to help them use drones successfully. So it's a whole change management process in effect that you're going, um, you've, you've got an enthusiastic like uh, supporter or I always call them champions. Someone I always, I have champions that want to use my robots and I go like, how's the rest of the organization feeling about you using this? Have you spoken to them? Have you explained you're not losing a job because you're bringing this robot into your organization? And I fully concur with you, you know, like um, what problem is it solving? But then what is the supporting framework that you have to bring in? Like, like anything else, you, you know, you can't just pluck it there and go, okay, here it is. You need to train people and, um, you know, all the other stuff that goes with it that you've mentioned. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, if it's not solving a genuine problem, then, then it's not going to stick. That's it. Yeah. So how long has the company been going? Um, so we've been around as Mirrigan since 2017, so um, just on three years now, okay. and um, we we've grown to about 10 people over that time. So it's um, been some pretty good growth. Um, I, I think the industry as a whole is still going through the stage, going through that ex exploratory stage, um, and starting to get to the point where they recognise that there's there's a depth that they need beyond simply buying the drone. So um, I think the industry is coming to the realization that it's, it's not about the drone. It's about, yeah. you know, all of those other pieces. So what we're hoping as a company is, is that um, as that takes off, there's more opportunities for us to, to, to help companies um, use drones to, to, to keep their people safe. Well, I think it's also the maturity of the organisations as they as they go and they see what the uses are worldwide because drones are certainly now 
Um, you know, like I don't think there's a day that you can't pick up a newspaper somewhere in the world. There's something on drones somewhere where it's been using. Um, and I was just listening to Catherine Ball's um, podcast that they're using drones now to um, drop seeds for koala habitation, rehabilitation yep. of the, the fires, the devastating fires that we went through in Australia. So, I mean, what better use of drones there? Like a perfect example of it. Yeah, exactly. They can make such a big difference. And I think people also, there's a little bit of a challenge that we face from a market perspective in the sense that people, when they think about drones, they think of the toys they can buy from from JB Hi-Fi or, or Kmart. They think of, um, you know, a small drone that has a camera. Yeah. And they think, well, that's that's not very interesting. That can't really help me. But of course, a drone is a is a flying robot. It doesn't have to be flying. It could be, you know, crawling on the surface or, or underwater. Um, but what you you can fit all sorts of different things to it, and you can make it do all sorts of different different roles. So it's it's a it goes way beyond just the camera. Um, yeah. And and we're working with a client at the moment um, who who wants to use drones to um, detect things buried in the ground. And so you can use a camera to see the ground disturbances, or you could fit a different system a different sensor on it mm -hmm. to give you a different different view of what's there yeah. um so you can you can fit a ground penetrating radar onto it or you could fit a um a, a magnetometer onto it or you could fit a chemical sensor onto it you know all sorts of different sensors that enable you to do a whole range of different things that you just simply couldn't couldn't do um with a human or you couldn't do with a manned aviation asset and and the story i often tell is when i started in the army i was working with with a um, unit called 162 reconnaissance squadron and we had the bell 206b kiowa aircraft which is like the channel 7 looks like a channel 7 news helicopter yeah. and it had on there a an infrared ball that was as large as my torso so it weighed 150 kilos plus and then now today um, Army has a capability in the in the Black Hornet drone that is 30 grams. It fits in the palm of my hand. It it has a camera on it and it has a thermal sensor on it that has the same capability as this giant fleur ball. Yeah. You know, in in something that's far far less weight. And and that to me is just representative of the power that that drones can bring in terms of all the different sensors that they can fit, but then also the ways that they can interface with the world. So they can drop things, they can carry things, they can lift things, they can have little robot arms fitted on them. Um, and, and the example where, you know, drones are being used to drop seeds is, is really great one. Um, there's a Melbourne based company who's using drones to deliver uh, vaccines in Vanuatu. Yeah, Eric Peck. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, had an interview with him. Yeah, yeah. great, great. Oh, I love them. I just go, please list so I can buy shares in your company. <laughs> yeah, Swoop's, Swoop's fantastic. And they're doing yeah. some, you know, really, really amazing things. Um, there's um, there's other companies that are that are dropping, you know, doing blood deliveries um, like Zipline. And I think they're a California based company. Um, there's There's a whole range of different things that you can do, you know, with drones that go far beyond the the hobby market and I think as an industry part of our challenge is um, educating educating businesses in terms of the, the range of things that can be done with this and the real value that drones can bring in terms of you know it it, it can do so much more than you think yeah so tell me now um just touching on on you know like bootstrapping and starting the company like uh, you know similar positions here i think you've got far more people working for you than i'm ever going to have working for me but um how did you manage it did, did you get uh, did you get some funds how did the journey go for you in this um so it's been been ups and downs I, I, I guess that's the whole the whole thing about business is there are days that are that are fantastic and there are days where where you know you're, you're struggling a little bit um, all of my previous history I've never had to worry too much about wh where the money's come from or or cash flow and obviously as you when you grow a business suddenly that becomes front and center and, and particularly when you take people on you know you're, you're taking on the, the liability not just for not just for their salary, um, but also for you know their their happiness and their family's happiness, and and so it's a big it's a big responsibility and and it 
it's a, it can be quite an intimidating responsibility, I think, as well, if you, if you think about all of the things that can go wrong. Um, so how have I grown two pieces? One is um, lucky to have that foundational contract that, get, that gave me enough cash flow to start taking some risks. Um, and, and the second piece is by taking risks and, and calculated risks is to say, you know, I, I am consciously going to go into a negative cash flow position. I'm consciously going to lose money um, for a period of time um, on the bet that this will turn out. And um, so far it has, Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it's a scary journey. Um, and, um, and obviously the, the more risk you take, uh, perhaps the greater the rewards, but the flip side of that is, um, you know, things can go wrong as well. And yeah. um, I've COVID has certainly impacted things quite a lot. Mm. Um, and um, I, I think I've just been, you know, there's an element of, of luck in this as well. Uh, but I do follow my numbers really, really closely. I, I know what my numbers are. I've, I've done the forecasts. I, I work to them, you know, almost daily. Um, and um, maybe that's the engineer in me, yeah. um, but it's, you know, it's understanding, it's taking risks, but also understanding what that risk means and, and where the thresholds are um, beyond which it becomes um, unachievable. I think that's the difference between a risk and a calculated risk. The calculated yeah. risk, you've done your homework and you go, okay, I know what I'm in for and I know where, what's the chopping point where you go, okay, here we, we're cutting it loose and we finished with it, so to speak. So um, do you have a board in the company? No, we don't. And, and that's something that um, as we grow is something that I definitely want to want to think about. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it ends up being about choosing the right people um, that, that kind of share the same values that we have as a company. Um, and, um, you know, because it's for us, it's not about it's not about the money. It's about making difference. And, and I think if we if we brought on a board, it, we would definitely need to have that values alignment. Mm. Um, and then also people that people that understand the industry and and people that we can we trust and we work with so it's um it's something that's on my mind and uh we will be working towards it but it's not something that we have right now um right. what what we do have is a network of of people that we can go to for advice um so um Catherine ball is one yeah. um but um I, i've got a, a lot of other people in my network that i can turn to to say is you know what would you do this in this situation or have this particular problem? And I think that having that, um, that tribe of mentors to borrow a phrase yeah. um, has been really, really helpful. Yeah, because it's quite a lonely journey. If you think about, you know, like what you're talking through, I've gone through myself that you go, you're onboarding people, not to the extent that you have, but you, you are responsible for them. You know, you're responsible for, um, you know, I've, I've worked in organizations where I've looked at my bosses and thought like, are you a psychopath or what's the matter with you? You know, but you know, like really that we've got the power to make people's life unbearably miserable because they need the money and you just don't want to be, you just don't want to be a boss like that. I just go, just don't be like that sort of boss. No. And the, the principle that I try to work with for Merrigan is I, I want it to be the kind of company that I want to work in. Yeah. Um, and um, we, we say it's the Merrigan family mm. and um, you know, we, we, we work remotely. We're very flexible on hours. It's, it's, um, you know, it, it's very much, um, you know, give people give people a, a task and then give them the the resources to do that and, and let them let them go and execute it. And um, so I'm, I'm it, and the other thing that we do as a business, which I think is also quite quite important, is we we aim to donate one percent of our revenue uh, every month to causes that are selected by people in the business. So you know that that comes back to that. You know, why are we here? We're here to make a difference in the universe. We're here to make it, you know, a, a, a dent, and um, that's that's a big thing that motivates us as well. Is, you know, Rob, we, you, you've just got such good karma surrounding you. You can you can be nothing but a success with that sort of philosophy in life. I think that's just absolutely fantastic. It's it's hard, and it can be hard to stick to that sometimes. Um, you know, particularly when you're presented with an opportunity that might make sense from a from a dollars perspective, but you say, you know, this doesn't this doesn't align from a values perspective and we have to walk away um, or, um, you know, conversations with customers and you say, well, we, you know, we could say this or we could say that. And, um, you know, if we, if we said the first thing, it would, it would benefit us, but it's the wrong thing to do. And so, you know, we won't, 
we won't do that. And so, um, you know, from a values perspective, there's a thousand decisions you make every day that, that support your values. And it's, um, it can be really hard to stick to that sometimes. Um, and, and, you know, I, I won't claim for a second that we get it right all the time, but we, we try to. Listen, at least you've got a value framework, which is like for some people, that's, that's a challenge in itself. So, I mean, that you've already got it, that you can go and as a company ethos, um, that you've got some underlying and everyone sharing, sharing the same vision. I think Eric Peck and his team have sort of got the same thing going there, very much the, for the good in the world that they can do. Um, you know, and they, they employ very like-minded individuals and also like, like it's a family is his view on it. Yep. So, and it's, um, like I said, it can be, it can be challenging sometimes to stick to that, but if you've, if you've got those foundation and we, we publish them. Um, so our, our values are be bold, be brave, be brilliant. Yeah. And, um, the be brave one is about, you know, doing the right thing, even if it hurts. Yeah. Um, and and, and, and take the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. So take me through a journey. Say a client phones you and says, listen, Rob, like we need help. How, how do you, what, from A to Z, how do you do this? Um, so that that tends not to happen as it happens <laughs> well we're going to tell people how it's going to happen and then they're yeah. going to know they're going to yeah. be preparing them for the experience <laughs> yeah. um so it, I, I guess it ends up being being a conversation uh, over time rather than rather than kind of that phone call out of the blue so um the the kind of three steps that we we work off is um encouraging particularly industries that they can use drones and that other people like them, other people in their situation are also using drones. So we talk a lot about drone applications and, you know, we put, put blogs out and we put, um, we put, um, you know, articles out that, that are basically showing how other people are using drones and what kind of applications there are out there. Um, the second piece is to say is, well, if you're going to do this, then also recognize that it's, it's not a, it's not, necessarily a simple journey mm -hmm. um so be, be prepared that there needs to be a little work around defining the problem there needs to be a bit of work around um defining the, the system designing the system that you need to put in place so uh, one of the customers that we've spoken to said yes we would love to do this delivery piece uh, what drones are out there in the market to do that today and our answer was there aren't any uh, because if there were any then all of your competitors would be doing it already. You need to invest to create this capability, and they weren't they weren't willing to do that um, because because they hadn't they'd seen the possible application, but they hadn't then seen the the investment that they would need to make to to achieve that application, and, and they weren't willing to. Um, and then the third piece is is to show how we can help them in that process because there are plenty of times where the drone is not the right solution. Um, and one of our one of our customers came to us and said, uh, "Here's a problem that we want to we want to work with. We've got a, we've got a um, a large area of of equipment, and we want to keep track of all of the equipment in that. And okay, well we can do we can do something with drones there. We can scan it on a, on a daily basis. That'll make sense. And then they said, and we want to use the drones to do a condition inspection when the equipment comes in." And we said, that's probably not a good use of drones because mm -hmm. you could do that with a fixed camera, for example. Um, yeah. so, so because we're not tied to a particular solution, we're not, we're not selling a product, we're not selling a thing, we can say to our customers, this is the wrong, this is the wrong use. This, does not, this will not work for you. The, the investment doesn't stack up. Um, so that's that's the conversation that we have with them with the market as a whole and then we when we start having a conversation with with individual customers um the there's different journeys that different customers are on depending on depending on where where they're at in the cycle and, and we we kind of have three models that we can use we either say we can we can help you to do it we can do it with you or we can do it for you um and the helping you to do it is is about helping with the specific aspect that might be helping with um you know they're using drones and they want to do it better or they have a specific application that they want and they need help with some specific aspect of it um and so we we come in and we help with that and a lot of our engagement with the military um to date has been in in that kind of space so the work that we've been doing with with army for instance has been about um 
helping them define their needs or helping them with their supply chain or helping them to do trials or um, helping them to transition a capability into service. You know, those, those specific uh, aspects of that drone program. Yeah. Um, when we talk about do it with you, well, that's, that's about being a partner in the journey. And um, we've, we've spoken with other clients about this particular model and, and, and we sit, we sit in their team and we help guide them um, with their procurement processes. We help make sure that they're, they're compliant. We help, um, cut through some of the noise around um, what a product can do and how that connects to the problem that they have. Mm -hmm. So just just cut through, you know, industries full of jargon and for, for a lot of the customers, they might be in the concrete industry or they might be in the, in the, you know, agriculture industry and they're not, they're not, they don't know, what all of the specific jargon is and, yeah. and the needs they needed to be translated into into their language so that's the kind of help that we can take in there and then there's the do it with you and and under that circumstance it may be a client that says look we don't we want to do this but we just want it to happen um, we want a single a single point of contact for this whole process please go and do that and and so we're setting up to be able to do that as well we haven't yet done it for a client uh, and and part of that is about understanding the drone industry as a whole. So we published a drone industry map. We've got a drone directory on our website that's, that's under work. Um, and that's all about knowing who's who in the industry, knowing what they can do. And so if a customer comes to us and says, uh, can you do it for us? Then we can say, you know, yes. And we will draw in the best of industry as we need to, to help meet their specific needs. So I'm hoping as a company, you have obviously gone to all the drone, um, the drone sellers, that I can call them that, or, or suppliers in Australia and said, you need us in your journey because we add this value added service for you. We, we kind of think that we can help connect the problem to the solution. Um, and a lot of the drone manufacturers, for instance, they build a solution um, and then search for a problem. Mm -hmm. And we're searching for problems. And then when we find a problem, we will, we will help put together a solution. It's, it's kind of the way that we look at it. Um, so yes, we've, we've reached out to a large number. I certainly won't say all because there's, there's new people coming in very often. Um, we've reached out to a large number of the manufacturers in Australia, a large number of the payload providers, um, even people that are, that are related to the industry, like, um, like obviously the regulators, but also people who are, uh, in communications, for instance, and who help tell, uh, help drone organisations tell their story. You know, they're part of the ecosystem yeah. and they're a necessary part of making, a, uh, making an effective capability. So it's all those kind of organisations that we, we have in our network and those are the relationships that we are, we are trying to build. And if, um, you know, obviously, if any of your listeners are in that space, then we're certainly happy to have those, those kind of conversations because it's about connecting the network. And our view is, is that, we work better as a network than as individual companies. And if we can, if we can be working together, if we can collaborate, then we can achieve more as an industry. Oh, definitely. I think the whole robotics industry, generally speaking, um, that's my philosophy on it. What's it? Uh, um, the, the rising tide lifts all ships. Like everyone benefits from this, like collaboration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and an example of that is um, recently for, uh, for the Navy, they put out a, a $1.3 billion tender. Um, and um, it, it was, it was asking for a, a maritime tactical unmanned aerial system. So a, a, an unmanned aircraft that would go onto the Navy's uh, surface ships. Mm -hmm. And um, they said, you know, we are interested in responses that have a very heavy Australian content. And um, a lot of the providers out there that would be in that kind of market would be um, Australian subsidiaries of global defence primes, mm -hmm. and they would be they would be often marketing air vehicles that were designed and built overseas um, to the Australian market. And we said, because of our understanding of the industry, you know, we can do this in Australia. We can do this here today. And we 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 got together a group of. Um, 25 different companies and we said everything that you need um, except for a few minor minor pieces that just wouldn't make sense to do in Australia uh, everything that you need can be done here and um, and so our proposal to them was for a, 
a capability, an unmanned system capability that drew on the best of Australian supplies and was 96% Australian owned, Australian made, Australian designed, Australian jobs. Um, you know, we can do that here today in Australia. So, um, you know, when I talk about do it, do it for you, that's the kind of thing that that we could do for any customer, not just Navy, yeah. to draw on the capabilities that we've got here today in Australia that are in many ways world leading. You know, this is the thing. I think Australians, I've, I've touched on this before, they, we're very hesitant to blow our own trumpets about the technology we do and how far advanced in some aspects we are world leaders. Did you win the tender? Um, well, it's, it's under evaluation now, so we don't, we don't know. Please let me know then when you list, then I'll buy your company shares as well. So. <laughs> um, so. I, I think, you know, whether we, whether we win the tender or not, I think what, what we hope for most out of going through the tender process was to simply showcase the value of Australian industry. And um, I'll be talking about exactly this topic at World of Drones is to say, you know, Australian industry, the Australian drone industry is world leading. Um, we have some very amazing companies and, and Eric Peck and Sweep Arrow is one of those. Um, there's a company in WA called Orbital UAV that manufactures drone engines um, for you know, drones across the globe. Um, there's a company in Sydney that manufactures this beautiful air vehicle that just looks really, you know, it looks like a Ferrari. It's, it's just wonderful, sleek lines. Um, and, you know, it performs well too. Um, and, and we've got all of these companies here that have just this amazing capability and, and um, it, it, it needs an opportunity and it also needs a way of stitching all of that together into, into a system. And I think this is the other kind of conversation that we often have with our clients is, you know, they're called remotely piloted aircraft systems or unmanned aerial systems for a reason is because it's, it's a system, you know, it's, it's not just about the drone. It's also about all of the, the physical things and the human things and the cultural things that come together to give you, give you a capability and you know, just like it would be for, for the robots that you work with. Yeah, like it's a whole ecosystem that you're dealing with here. It's not just a singular little thing that you put in then off you go. Like there's a whole supporting network of it. Now, speaking of the world of drones, you're a major sponsor there. Tell us about the event. It's uh, 12th and 13th of November. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, it's going to be one of the few uh, STEM conferences that we have in Australia that will be, we'll be able to be physically attending. Um, obviously, the, the conference itself is one that we've been supporting for the, for the last couple of years, specifically for the reason of helping to pull the industry together. You know, that, that rising tide lifts all ships. Um, if we can work together, if we can collaborate, we can achieve more as, as a group than we can as, as individuals. And that, you know, that, that the reason that I raised that tender was specifically to, to enhance that point. And I see World of Drones and robotics as a way of doing that. And I think um, I, I love that Catherine's added robotics because, you know, all drones are robots, not yeah. all robots are drones, um, but there's an awful lot of overlap. And, um, you know, robots are increasingly useful in a whole range of different contexts, uh, just like drones. And, yeah. and it's all part of the same industry trend. So uh, I'm really glad that it's going down down that path and um, you know something like all of the ancillary activities that that um, Catherine's pursuing as part of that you know the the, the um, designer drone competition that the, the schools are running yeah. um, the the world of drones education that's associated with with world of drones and robotics all of those pieces are about supporting the ecosystem and supporting the next generation of of engineers and scientists and pilots and um, folk that are interested in the drone industry, folk that are interested in the robotics industry, because, you know, that is in a lot of ways where our future as a company country is yeah. it's that, you know, that understanding and being able to, to get to those high skilled jobs, the high skilled companies, you know, take advantage of the, of the, the hugely educated and enthusiastic and passionate people that we have in this country to go out and, and make a difference. Yeah, listen, you know what? I, I look at the people that I interview and I'm in absolute awe of them. I just look at the capabilities and I, I, 
genuinely, I, I'm just amazed at what's available in Australia. Um, the whole idea of my podcast was to introduce like the robotics community to each other because being involved in the roadmap in 2018, I sort of, um, and there's something Sue and I also discussed is like people, they don't all know about all the robotic companies spattered across Australia. And that's probably my aim is to introduce each other. But um, I've just, uh, Toby um, Walsh was my 10th episode. So it's like I do it a bi-weekly one, but I'm thinking next next year, maybe I should just do a weekly one because there's so many people I need to interview and get on the program. <laughs> yep. Well, there's even, um, there's in Australia, there's over 2,000 um, drone companies. And it's a, it's a lot of those organisations are uh, operators, so people who will be flying drones, um, but it's also about all of the other organisations that support that. And, you know, that's just for one class of robots. So think yeah. how, think of how large and wide reaching the robotics industry in Australia is. And, you know, we certainly don't think of ourselves as the, as a robotics nation. Uh, and yet, you know, it's something that we've got a lot of experience in and, and if we can work together and tell our story better, then... Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. And if I do nothing else with, with my time and Exaptic and the robots, I, sell, I see that as a mission of mine because, I, as you say, like huge capabilities. Now, um, you've got a podcast yourself that, uh, that Andrew manages and I've, I, I was going through them and I saw there was a story about agriculture with Steve. Can you tell us a little bit about it? So um, it's a company called um, StevTech um, run by um, a friend of mine, Tristan Steventon, and um, he, he is ex-Army. Um, he, he and I went through um, the Australian Defence Force Academy and Royal Military College together. And, um, and Tristan's taken a lot of what he's, what he's learnt from his time in the Army to, to apply it to his other great passion, which is agriculture. Um, and he works largely out of northern New South Wales, but he his company kind of operates uh, nationally. And what what they do is they use drones for effectively precision agriculture. So take a take a field that's growing a crop, and you fly over it with drones, and you can use the drones to work out where there are areas of water stress, where there are areas of um, of plants that need better application of fertilizer. Um, it, where there's areas that are being attacked by pests. And so instead of spraying the whole field, you just spray that part of the field. Or instead of putting fertilizer across the whole, the whole space, you know, then there's the cost of all the fertilizer that you've got. And, and some of the plants then may, may have too much and, and suffer bad effects from that. Um, you can be much more precise about your application of, of water, of, of fertilizer and of, um, and of a pesticide. And as a result, things are cheaper, things are healthier, uh, and, um, and, and you get a better outcome for not just, not just, the, not just the farmer, but also for the environment. And yeah. um, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that he's working in. And, and we, we, picked, we picked his company because he is a leader in the use of precision agriculture, and, and also because he's a really great example of how powerful this technology can be. It's, you know, that, that kind of stuff would just simply not be accessible without the use of drones. Just, it wouldn't be achievable. You know, I do see a time, you know, I read an article 2025, like 40% of jobs are going to be displaced by robots. Like, I, I don't quite agree with that, but um, I certainly think as sensors become cheaper, as parts become cheaper, you know, 3D printing, um, there will come a time that this will just be normal. You know, you've got your drone. I had my roof resurfaced and one of the companies coming for the quote sent a drone up. Now I was unfortunately not here to film it because I thought that was yep. the coolest thing ever. Unfortunately, they charged me a thousand dollars more as well in the quotes. So I didn't actually end up using them, but um, I just thought, why would you send people up on your roof when you can use a drone as effectively? It took like probably five or 10 minutes to pinpoint all the spots where the tiles would be replaced as easy as that. You know, um, I do think that, I think it's just the adoption, right? I think as companies see people using this, it's just going to become the norm, get a drone and do it. And it also becomes about the, the data. So, you know, they fly over your roof and they take a record. And if they put a, if they put a person up there, then the person can look at all the tiles and come back and write down, you know, 72 tiles that need to be done. Um, you can do more things with multiple different sensor types, mm -hmm. but then you've also got a picture of what the roof looked like. And so you come back, you know, in six months time 
and you take another picture and you say, you know, since the last time we had this conversation, your roof has deteriorated by 10%. Yeah. You know, now, now there's a, there's a stronger story on, on behalf of the company that's looking to, to help you, but it also gives you kind of advanced warning as a, as a homeowner that there's this stuff that you need to do. I mean, you don't yeah. need to pick them necessarily. Um, or they could come back and fix your roof and say, look, this is what we've done. We've taken it from this point to, to this yeah. point. Um, I mean, that's a, that's just one small example, but you know, if you think coming back to agriculture, you can see how the field health changes over yeah. time. You can see how, rainfall affects erosion on your field and maybe you can do things around the way that the the water is going and, and you know yes under under traditional methods without drones you'd still see all that stuff but it'd be a lot later on in the process when the damage has already happened yeah like this is real-time data coming in as your drones flying you're looking out on the screen and you can immediately see what's going on you know and you yep. can as you say you can month by month, you can go, this is what happened last month. Here it is. I've got it on, I've got it on paper. Whereas last month you're relying on your memory and I'm sure everyone's memory is great, but like I prefer it in black and white. Yep. So an another customer we were talking to was, was um, around weed mapping of areas that they, they had to manage. So um, several hundred hectares. Um, and if you flew a drone over every week, you know, you really get a sense of what's going on. Where are those, you know, where are the areas where the weeds are aggressive? Where are the areas where they're just sort of sitting there? Um, what needs to be treated? What priority? Um, and and doing all that manually, you'd miss stuff yeah. or you'd treat everything or you'd be treating the wrong things at the wrong times. You know, so it's that data becomes really important. It's all about the data. Data is gold. So, well, we kind of say it's all about the problem. <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll, we'll just—it's language. It's just—it's a bit of language throwing around here. So, now legislation around drones. Like, who does this in Australia? Are you involved in it? Um, so we we are on a number of working groups with the Australian Association for Unmanned Systems, and they're they're effectively an advocacy body that that helps influence uh, legislation in Australia. So the, the legislation primarily comes out of the Civil Aviation Safety Authority, same as for manned aviation. Um, and the, the legislation that relates to drones is, is part 101. Um, and there's, there's a whole bunch of um, documents and so on that's, that support that. Um, when it comes to drones though, is it's not just about the, it's not just about the national legislation. It's also about things like privacy, uh, or or data management or um, safety, you know. So there's there's a range of other pieces that that impact on it. And um, I, I guess part of the challenge from a customer's perspective is navigating through all of that for their specific stuff. So even areas like councils can can pass rules around where you can and can't use drones. So Brisbane City Council is an example. Is they've got some areas where you can fly drones. They've got some parks that are specifically allocated for flying drones. Um, and generally they say is outside those areas, you shouldn't be flying drones. And that's a council rule, not necessarily a, a federal government rule. Um, so it can be that there's a lot of layers from a legislative and, and regulatory perspective, uh, and it can be a little bit hard to navigate sometimes. So if I went into a shop and I bought a drone, is this all explained to me or is this my, this is on me to go and figure this all out? a bit of both um so the the rules are changing and if you if you're going to fly a drone you will probably need to be registered and part of that registration process is doing a training course that lets you understand where you can and can't fly because from a drone perspective the biggest risk is hobby hobby drone users opening the box that they got for christmas putting it up in the air and they're on the landing strip or the the approach path of a of an airport you know, airport gets shut down, uh, like Gatwick. Yeah, I was about to say Gatwick. I, that wasn't so long ago. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you buy a drone from from most shops, and and I'm I won't say that it's a hundred percent like this. Is you'll get a brochure in the box that's from CASA, the Civil Aviation Safety Authority. It'll say, you know, what are the rules with relation to hobby flying of drones, and it'll point to the CASA website. And there's also an app called the Can I Fly There app. And um, you know, for anybody that's that's got anything to do with drones, if you're using hobby drones or, or you're wanting to buy a drone for your, your kid's birthday or Christmas, um, that Can I Fly There app is really important because you know, if you are on an approach path to an airport, you should not be flying there. Um, and there's a, there's a number of other places that you shouldn't be 
you shouldn't be flying. So it's, um, I'm not going to go over the rules specifically. No, but now. like, let's see. Yeah. Yep. So um, you've got two sons. Is there something you do over the weekends? You flying drones? Have they got your love and, and interest in drones? Uh, I've, I've got a cupboard in my, my house that's full of drones that I've bought them over the years. But um, they're, they're interested, um, I think, if I... One of the things that both boys are interested in is the first-person flying of drones. Um, they're far more interested in the in flight simulators on the iPad at the moment, though. So it's, you know, you, you get their attention for a little while and then they move on to the next thing, as kids do. Well, um, well when I come to Brisbane, um, I'll go through your cupboard and come and check out all these drones. Yeah. <laughs> now, in closing, Andrew, um, Rob, is there anything that you'd like to leave the audience with? Like any any insights or any, any other message? I think the, the biggest one that we want to get across is that drones are a technology that's here now. Uh, the technology is there. It's it's well understood. It does require a little bit of investment to, to get across the line. But for, for a lot of organisations that we're dealing with, the real key message that we want to get across is that drones are essential to helping keep your people safe. That they're not a nice to have. Um, they're not a they're not a should have. It, in our view, they're a must have. You know, all of these people that are in front frontline occupations, why put them in those dangerous positions when you can send a drone, when you can send a robot and keep them away from, from harm? The technology is there today and, and it would it'd be madness not to use it to keep people safe. Yeah, and I think we can add to that any people working for these organisations, let your voice be heard. You know, if, if you know about the technology, uh, speak up and get, get your employers to actually invest in this and keep your own life safe. You know, it's not just a, a top down, it, it's bottoms up as well. People speak up, you know, your life is worth a lot. So, yeah, absolutely. So if people wanted to get hold of you, where, where can they uh, chat to you or email you? Um, so our website is um, www.merrigan.com.au. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, um, so happy to take messages directly on LinkedIn um, or um, our email is admin at merrigan.com.au. Fabulous. Listen, it's been an absolute hoot chatting to you today. Um, we had a little bit of a pre-talk because we're both South Africans, so we had to just cover the mother country. Yep. But thank, thank you so much for your time. And uh, to my audience out there, look forward to your feedback. Um, reach out to Rob for any drone questions and needs that you may have. And I'll see you in two weeks' time again.